Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Friday morning, March 1st. Hope you're doing well. March 1st, 2024. Great to be with you moving into the weekend. We have Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer of the Network. He joins us every Friday to talk about all the upcoming great programming as we move quickly through Lent. Fact Check Friday at the bottom of the hour, I'll be uh, taking a look at the response to MSNBC. Now, Bishop Barron did an actually really, really good short take on this. There was an anchor woman or a contributor, I forget exactly the name, I'll have it for you at the bottom of the hour, but she made some very, very strong and dangerous comments about Christians and lumped everyone in with what she called Christian nationalism, criticizing Christians for basically honoring God, saying that, you know, these people, they actually think their rights come from somebody else than the government. And she made some pretty, I would say, very uh, anti-Christian, anti-Catholic statements, but they were also, in my personal opinion, sounded very ignorant, arrogant and ignorant in terms of, okay, do you not know your history? This is a democratic republic. This is not a full democracy. It was founded as a republic. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. I guess she never learned that either. But she received pushback. Respectful, but strong pushback. And being that Bishop Barron is so well-spoken and so up on the cultural things, he did a very calm but a very strong response and talked about how dangerous it is and really got into the statements that she made. And then there were also several Catholic and Christian organizations that pushed back, including Catholic Vote and Family Research Council. And... To the anchor's credit, she apologized. I'm going to share that with you. And this, the point of this is to understand our history, but also to be not afraid to respectfully raise concerns and raise questions. And don't just sit there and say, oh, I'm going to walk away from the media and not worry about it because I'm never going to change. They probably won't change. I'm not saying that they're going to have a, you know, a total come-to-Jesus moment and all of a sudden we're going to see balance again back in uh, you know, mainstream media. But we do have to at least try. As St. Teresa of Calcutta said, God doesn't expect us to be successful, only faithful. Now, obviously, there's so much that comes out of the the culture that we can't respond to everything. And that's why I think Bishop Barron is a good example of really how to discern when you need to speak up. So I think it's a good lesson uh, in a lot of ways. So that's our Fact Check Friday. And then I am so excited. One week from today, the Cabrini film opens. I've had the chance to see it twice now, both on a small screen on my computer and also on the big screen when I went to the premiere in Philadelphia on Saturday. So Eustace Wolfington, who's the executive producer of the film, is going to be joining us. He is amazing. Such a cool story behind this movie. He spent time in the convent in Lombardy. He had a devotion to Cabrini since he was, I don't know, a teenager. He's a devout Catholic. He's an amazing Catholic philanthropist, and he's going to be joining us at 39 minutes past the hour to talk about the movie. I really encourage you to take, especially young women, to see this. It's opening on International Women's Day, and this film is so filled with messages about the feminine genius, right? John Paul II talked about that so greatly. It's, it's just really well done. I have to say, it's, it's so well acted, it's so well produced, and it's so worth your time Cabrini opening up a week from today, March 8th. And I am going to be talking about this in great detail for my presentation on Tuesday night in Venice, Florida at the Epiphany Cathedral. Deacon Dom and I are doing a parish mission. We're speaking on our marriage journey Monday night. And then Tuesday night I'm doing a talk for women. And we're talking about motherhood, both spiritual and physical motherhood. We're talking about wives and we're talking about the domestic church and the feminine genius. That'll be my presentation on Tuesday night. So if you're in the uh, Venice, Florida, Fort Myers area, I do hope that you can come by. It's a beautiful church in a beautiful town along the coast there, and we'll be there Monday and Tuesday night, God willing, coming home uh, early on Wednesday. And then, uh, again, that is the show for today. We have Doug Keck, our Fact Check Friday, and Eustace Wolfington on the film Cabrini, which opens up a week from today. Weather-wise, still some uh, pretty rough weather going on out there. We have a powerful winter storm underway across the west, bringing heavy, higher-elevation mountain snow, dangerous blizzard conditions for the Sierra Nevada mountains. We have stories on this, by the way, in the news, damaging winds, hazardous seas, and cold temperatures. And this is in the west coast through the weekend and then there also are some major fire issues in texas and oklahoma 
And that is going to continue, unfortunately, they think, for the next couple of days. We will have updates in our newscast. Speaking of which, lots of news to get through, so we need to um, do that right now. As soon as my computer reboots, here we go. Thank you very much. Technology is great when it works. It is just about uh, five minutes past the hour. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. You'll find this story on Catholic News Agency. Yesterday, Joe Biden sharing his disagreement with the Catholic Church's position that in vitro fertilization is immoral because it kills countless unborn human babies. As the controversy continues, as CNA explains, after an Alabama Supreme Court ruling establishing the personhood of unborn babies conceived through IVF, Biden was asked by EWTN White House correspondent Owen Jensen yesterday what he thought about the church's teaching. Mr. President, the Alabama ruling, I want to ask you about the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church says IVF is immoral and wrong because it destroys countless human embryos. What do you say to that? I don't agree with that position. After he answered uh, the question, he then walked away. While church encourages certain fertility treatments for couples struggling to have children, the use of IVF, as we explained in detail with Father Mitch Pacwa yesterday on this program, is contrary to Catholic teachings because it separates the marriage act from procreation and destroys embryonic human life. Although Biden is a professed Catholic, he has criticized the Alabama ruling as a disregard for women's abilities to make their own decisions He also said the decision from the court was outrageous and unacceptable, calling it a direct result of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. House Republicans, meanwhile, are slamming Joe Biden's trip to the U.S.-Mexico border yesterday. He's oblivious to it. His handlers are oblivious to it. This is a photo op for him to try to say, I care. Please reelect me. Arizona Republican Andy Biggs accusing the president of refusing to address the immigration crisis, saying his visit was, again, nothing more than a photo op. House Speaker Mike Johnson yesterday urging Biden to take executive actions to curb the flow of migrants. Both Biden and the former President Donald Trump were visiting the area yesterday. Biden says he does plan to call on Republicans to take up a border security deal negotiated by a bipartisan group of senators. Christian Marks says the New York Police Department claims the two crowded illegal migrant shelters found this week were run by the same person. The landlord is facing violations after 44 beds and items like space heaters and hot plates were found in a commercial building in the Fordham section of the Bronx Wednesday after a similar situation was found at a furniture store in Queens. Some are wondering if Mayor Adams' shelter limits for migrants are leading to this. I don't know that I can draw a direct correlation. What I can say is that over 60% of our population have taken steps to move into other places. Adams' chief of staff, Camille Varlak, the landlord claims he was just trying to help but there are reports he was charging asylum seekers hundreds of dollars. The wildfire in the Texas panhandle is now the largest in the state's history. Reporter Guad Venegas has the latest from the panhandle area. A series of wildfires continue spreading throughout northern Texas as the weather here has changed tremendously. Uh, This morning we've seen rain. uh, We've also seen ice and snow in places like Fridge, Texas. The Smokehouse Creek Fire began Monday north of Amarillo and has since scorched over a million acres across the Texas panhandle. Yesterday, spreading into the state of Oklahoma where it had burned over 30,000 acres as of last night. The fire has also killed two people so far. Family members say an 83-year-old woman was found dead Wednesday at her home in Hutchinson County, Texas, and a second death reported in nearby Hemphill County where an Amarillo woman died after her car was surrounded by the fire. A blizzard warning and up to 10 feet of snow in the Sierra have the California Highway Patrol warning folks not to drive as travel, they say, will continue to be dangerous to impossible. I will be completely honest and completely blunt. If you don't have to travel, do not. Skiing, snowboarding, sledding is not that important. Your lives are way more important and we want you to be safe on the road. That's Officer Ruth Lehrer with the CHP South Lake Tahoe, who's reiterating that travel over the Sierras is highly discouraged over the next several days. Snow and powerful winds will slam, they say, the area with monstrous amounts of snow around Lake Tahoe expected this weekend. Forecasters say the Pacific storm is set to be the strongest of the season. Blowing wind will also create whiteout conditions and near zero visibility. That's today and then also continuing into tomorrow with the heaviest snow on Saturday. Travelers also experiencing long delays and road closures with possible power outages adding to the danger. 
Brian Shook tells us in Massachusetts, Air National Guardsmen accused of leaking classified military documents and posting them online is now pleading guilty. Jack Teixeira reached an agreement with prosecutors on Thursday. Federal prosecutors filed a motion for a Rule 11 hearing set for Monday, where it's unknown what charge or charges he will plead guilty to. Teixeira is accused of abusing his security clearance and posting classified documents on social media sites. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin apologizing for his handling of his hospital stay last month while testifying before the House Armed Services Committee yesterday. He said his duties were taken care of. There was never any lapse in authorities or in command and control. At all times, either I or the Deputy Secretary was in a position to conduct the duties of my office. Austin suffering complications and surgery for prostate cancer and was hospitalized in January. He faces sharp criticism. After it was revealed, his own deputy in the White House were not notified of his hospitalization for three days. Republicans, meanwhile, have been calling for his resignation. Daniel Martindale tells us that Governor Gavin Newsom of California denying claims about Panera Bread getting a special exemption from his state's new fast food minimum wage law. The law has a specific line stating a bakery that sells bread on the premises is not considered fast food. Earlier this week, reports came out detailing Newsom's relationship with Greg Flynn, a billionaire and longtime donor to Newsom's campaigns, who also happens to own two dozen Panera Bread locations in California. On Thursday, a Newsom spokesperson told Nexstar Media Group the governor never met with Flynn about the bill, calling the story absurd. The spokesperson also says after a closer look from the governor's office's legal team, it appears Panera is not exempt from the law after all. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis signing a new law allowing secret grand jury testimony to be made public in cases where the suspect is dead or the crimes involve sexual assault against minors. DeSantis saying he hopes this will help the victim and the Jeffrey Epstein case get some much-needed closure. We are happy in Florida to be leading the effort for transparency and for accountability because what happened uh, was clearly wrong and the punishment was simply wholly inadequate to the crime. The federal grand jury testimony concerning records back from 2006 with allegations of Epstein's sexual abuse of minors, a law taking effect this summer on July 1st. And there's growing frustration among Americans when it comes to getting necessary medical care. A survey from a group known as MDVIP finding that patient burnout is becoming a major factor in trying to stay healthy. Dr. Adam Reisinger is the medical director of the group, which is over 1,000 primary care physicians involved, and says some people have simply given up on seeing a doctor. About 10% of people in the survey said they waited so long in that waiting room that they just got up and left without ever seeing the doctor. So it has become a big issue. The survey found that many people who have chronic health conditions have stopped going to see a doctor because they say they're not able to obtain a timely appointment. It was noted 61% of those questioned in the survey think the health care system is a hassle. 53% feel they're treated like a number and not a person. And many, he says, are now opting to use an urgent care facility as opposed to having a regular physician. Trey Thomas tells us a Food and Drug Administration said food packaging that contains harmful, long-lasting chemicals will no longer be sold in the U.S. Man-made chemicals called PFAS, commonly known as forever chemicals, don't break down and have been associated with serious health risk. On Wednesday, the FDA announced food packages that contain these forever chemicals will no longer be sold nationwide. Actress Ann Whitfield is dead at 85. She appeared in the holiday classic White Christmas and many TV shows, including Father Knows Best and Perry Mason. Family members announcing she died on February 7th at a hospital in Washington State. She reportedly had an unexpected accident while on a walk in her neighborhood. They called her a powerhouse in life. And an Arkansas family welcoming their second leap year baby, Samantha and Zach Dennis, welcoming their second child born on February 29th, 16 years after the birth of the older sibling. The children were both born at the same clinic with the same doctors. 16-year-old Caden born in 2008 and Haven born this year. 14 minutes past the hour. So appreciate your listenership to EWTN. It's a Friday and that means the inside look or the inside word with our friend, President and Chief Operating Officer of this fine network. Doug Keck joins us up next. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. 
The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Here's your chance to save some big money on our most unique Italy pilgrimage ever, taking you from coast to coast, the Amalfi Coast to the Adriatic, covering some of the most stunning attractions in Bella Italia. Hi, it's Teresa Tamio, and now is the time to take advantage of our $250 discount on La Dolce Fide, The Sweetness of Faith 2024. We begin on October 26, taking you to Sorrento, Pompeii, Amalfi, Ravello. San Giovanni Rotondo is next, then St. Michael's Cave in Gargano, the ancient cities of Matera and Bari, and along the way encountering a long list of saints, including St. Maria Goretti, St. Andrew the Apostle, St. Michael the Archangel, Padre Pio, and St. Nicholas, traveling from the Amalfi Coast to the Adriatic, experiencing beautiful scenery, breathtaking basilicas, and quite frankly, some of the best food on God's green earth. So join us for La Dolce Fide 2024, Italy coast to coast, and save $250 per person through March 6th. Simply visit our website site AveMariaRadio.net and our travel page AveMariaRadio.net travel for more information. Do the winter blues have your kids feeling down? Swim lessons at Big Blue Swim School can help. Research shows that regular exercise helps reduce anxiety as well as improve mood and sleep quality. Locally owned and operated, Big Blue Swim School is on West Eisenhower Parkway in Ann Arbor, just down from Whole Foods. Stop in or visit BigBlueSwimSchool.com to learn more. Register by March 17th to get 60% off your first four lessons when you mention Ave Maria Radio. Sixteen minutes past the hour. It's a Friday, and that means Doug Keck joins us. So appreciate his insight and the inside word and all the great programming. He's our president and chief operating officer, one of our fearless leaders down in Irondale, Alabama. Okay, so I don't know if you heard um, Father Mitch mention yesterday that 40 years ago yesterday, is when he was first on Mother's Show, and that led to him being a permanent fixture at EW10. Right. He definitely has been a fixture. Uh, we've been trying to remove that fixture for quite a few years, but it's virtually impossible. Impossible. He, apparently, he comes with the property now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he, we sold everything, he'd, he'd go with the building. So. <laughs> and his boots. He's absolutely. Oh, well, you know, he was always so important to EWTN yeah. before I came, obviously. You know, in the late 90s, um, you know, he meant so much to EWTN, and yeah. obviously in the time period where where Mother had her stroke, and, uh, you know, we immediately said, who's the only person who can right. really step in, and that was Father Mitch, and obviously, though no one can step into Mother's shoes, he did the best he could, right. and he continues to do a wonderful job. Well, it was funny, because he was talking about when uh, he first met her, and she first saw him, and she looked at him and said, Mamma Mia, Madonna, and it hit her head, and she's like, who is this guy? Because of the way he was dressed, because he was on a motorcycle, walks in with a jacket on, <clears throat> in a very casual clothes and then he cleaned up very nicely when he put on his clerics. But she didn't know quite what to expect, but she was absolutely, obviously, taken with him and his, his great knowledge and his love for the faith. Right, absolutely. And, and because of his time up in Vanderbilt, he had uh, listening to uh, you know Christian radio and, and basically the attacks on the Catholic faith right. really is what started getting him into the whole area of, of apologetics, um, you know, and, and realizing that, People were misunderstanding what Catholic positions were. And he found, even getting into it initially, how it you know, wasn't that easy to explain to people who had such preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. But he really has become one of the best there is. Yeah, absolutely. So it was just a sweet story. And then, of course, we talked about a lot of other things. But that was just really neat that he mentioned that. All right. So this is a busy time of year. A lot of things going on in Lent. So what can we look forward well, to? Well, it's March. And uh, so we've got a couple of programs. Interrupted Lives, Catholic Sisters Under European Communism. Interesting mm. program. Airing tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Also, our movie is Slaves and Kings, a St. Anthony Marie Claret movie uh, about a Spanish missionary who dealt with uh, fighting against slavery. That's at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh, as we have our movie and Gregorian chant on Sunday there's a program in the afternoon we also have the total gift the Catherine Drexel story which will be on Sunday afternoon at 2.30 p.m., airing on her feast day. Mm -hmm. We've got new episodes of Saving Our Faith with Father Leo airing as well on Sunday. And next week he's going to do a program that was shot in Petra in Jordan. So you oh, can look cool. for that I've as well. Oh, cool. I've been there. It's cool. Right? Okay. Yeah. And Catholics Come Home, new season. People can look forward to that, of course. Always a popular program. Franciscan University presents as well. Both of those are airing on Sunday. Uh, the Friar. We've got a new episode of The Friar, very 
popular kids program, uh, this one having to do with God and money. Uh, interesting teaching opportunity. Next week, travel guide to heaven with somebody I think you're familiar yep. with, somebody named Anthony, Anthony Stefano. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, basically on our gallery slot at 5.30 p.m. all week long. And uh, speaking of the one and only Father Mitch Pacwa, he went, welcomes Dr. Anthony Lillis, who is going to discuss uh, Catholic Spain and how mm. Catholic Spain was able to avoid the Protestant Reformation. And also, he'll talk a little bit about uh, his contributions to our wonderful program with uh, Matthew Bunsen that we do on the Doctors of the Church, and that's mm. next Wednesday. Check out EW10.com for all the latest programming and go to our on uh, demand page, of course, and our and also our YouTube channel, and also, as I like to mention, our uh, Podcast Central, where all of our great radio programs and other great programs are, are available uh, anytime you want to listen to them on your iPod or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's always a great movie about a saint or something that happened in, in church history. How do you go about uh, choosing them? And I know some of them you, you do yourselves, but there's a lot that you get from mm-hmm. other producers and cinematographers. Right. So how do you vet them? I'm just curious because they're all really they're really well done. And, and it, even if right. they're done in another language, you, you, all, you always uh, have it available right. you know, where we can understand what's going on you know, by the subtitles, which is very helpful. Right. Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, obviously, uh, acquisition, John Elson and his team, we built that up over a number of years. And and I think one of the things you said, and, and obviously we've looked out with our uh, cooperative producing elements. Uh, you know, we did a Cabrini movie years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, obviously we wish we had the budget that this this program, uh, this movie has. But, you know, you do what you can do. And uh, we try and fill the void with that. And I think what you said really, really important is vetting. People may notice over the years that there's been some movies, quote-unquote Catholic movies, that have shown up uh, being sold uh, as DVDs even through so many Catholic sites that they have not seen on EWTN. It's because we do vet them, and uh, we we want programs that that are honest, and we also want programs uh, that don't feature scenes or things that we find problematic uh, for our audience because a lot of people come to EWTN to not be inundated with the problems of the world. They come... Mm -hmm for uh, solutions to these issues and things like that. So we are very careful. You know, we have Colin Donovan and his team. Right. So anytime we have a program come in like that, uh, not only is our acquisition team looking at it first to first pass to see, does, does this fit us? Then it goes to the theology department. They look at it, make sure if there's any concerns, uh, you know, we, we bring that back sometimes to the producer if it's something still in production. If not, you know, we might be in a situation where we say, we, well, we like the program, we just don't think it fits for our audience. Right. And we've done that with a couple of things people might be surprised about. But it, it is a vetting process, and we take it very seriously. Well, you have to be serious about it, because there's so much out there that isn't vetted at all, and that people think maybe because it has a Catholic or a Christian title right. on it that it's fine. And and I, I really think it's super important, just from my background as a journalist, and, and this is the problem I have right there, out there in the secular media, where people just jump on these stories, and they throw right. them out there in virtue signal and make them a part of their coverage without ever vetting Right. The information. What's the source? Exactly. Who, who is it actually said this? Who's repeating what was repeated by the repeater? Um, you know, and what was their premise? What was the context of the discussion? Uh, you know, somebody says, you know, you believe about 50 percent, you know, of what you what your you know, what you hear or percentage, you know, that whole idea that when the first blush of virtually anything, you've got to be questionable right. about Right. Uh, especially if it sounds too perfect, mm-hmm. uh, like it fits somebody's uh, positioning to say, oh, the, oh, that's the perfect thing for that person to have yeah, done. Yeah, remember like the Nicholas to, Salmon story, how the media right, just exactly. jumped on it because it was it too because good to be it, true for oh, them, right? Oh, exactly yeah. what they were, a kid yeah. in a MAGA hat, uh, disrespecting well, a Native marriage, American. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So they, they went right for it. And, of course, it was totally different and wrong. And uh, that's that's why it's important. That's what the work you do and the work EW10's news team does. Um, obviously, the in-depth program, certainly in, in-depth yep. original one, of course, is the world over, which Raymond has been doing for, mm-hmm. you know, almost 30 years. Uh, I mean, I remember launching the show in uh, September of 96 um, wow. as a monthly program when it first happened. Uh, so that's how long You wouldn't believe the on. pushback I get sometimes for not jumping on a story of virtue signaling. I mean, I, I with the whole Nicholas right. Simon thing, people were saying, oh, you should be weighing in. I'm like, I'm not weighing in because this, 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 this right. seems too good to be true. Let me just take a breath. Absolutely. And let me look at the whole video and, yep. 
Right, and that's what you've got to say, and you've got to report it with the idea of saying, according to these sources, and this is what so-and-so is saying, but we're not sure. It's not because we don't want to be sure. It's because we want you to trust us. We want you to know that if EWTN and their related entities or affiliates are reporting something that relates to the Catholic Church, that it's as accurate as possibly yep. it could be. Yep, and orthodox, right? Accurate and orthodox. Absolutely, right. My friend, thank you. Always great to chat. Doug Keck, our president and COO, and God willing, he'll be with us again next week and every Friday, as long as the Lord allows, on this show and others. We'll be right back, and we have Fact Check Friday. Speaking of facts, coming up next. Almost 30 minutes past the hour. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Looking forward to, after the next, or for this segment, interviewing Eustace Wolfington, who is behind the film Cabrini, executive producer. Beautiful story there. We'll share that with him. And also my thoughts on the film as well. And we'll be doing more on this next week at the... Um, the premiere in Philadelphia that I was able to take a part of, uh, be a part of on Saturday, they allowed us to ask questions of some of the actors and the crew, and it was just a beautiful segment, and I recorded it, and we're going to be cutting that up for you as we say in the biz and sharing some of the sound bites with my commentary next week as well. So again, it opens a week from today, and I encourage you to go see it, a beautiful film about the life of an amazing woman. That is a very positive thing about the media, and that is something that can be used to to shine a light in the darkness. And and we have to uh, remember that we are called to shine lights in the darkness, and sometimes we have to reflect on that darkness and help people discern. That's why I'm so, so glad that Bishop Barron did just that. I don't know if you heard this story, but there was a situation with a political reporter who's also a commentator on MSNBC, and she ended up apologizing after she was confronted about her comments on Christian nationalism. So basically, uh, she had warned um, during the MSNBC segment, the thing that unites Christian nationalists is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from an earthly authority. In the Christian nationalist view, she went on, America's rights don't come from the Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. Well, we have a, a great clip from Bishop Aaron from Anona, Minnesota, of course, and his response to this, how dangerous it is to put something like that out there and to lump all people, all Christians, into an extreme category or, and or, I should say, not understand how this country was founded, by whom, and what they said compared to what she thinks was said or done when this country began. Here is Bishop Aaron. Take a listen. I want to share with you some reflections on um, a clip I saw. I think Heidi Prisbola from uh, Politico was on MSNBC. It was one of the most disturbing and frankly dangerous things I've ever seen in a political conversation. She's going after what she calls Christian nationalism. But what she said was, there are these Christian nationalists out there who are claiming that our rights don't come from any you know, human authority. They come from God. And she specified, you know, that they're claiming these weirdos that uh, they're coming, you know, not from the Supreme Court or from Congress. <laughs> well, first of all, it was Thomas Jefferson who made that claim. We hold these truths to be self-evident that we're endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. And may I say, everybody, it is exceptionally dangerous when we forget the principle that our rights come from God and not from a government. Because the basic problem is, if they come from the government or Congress or the Supreme Court, they can be taken away by those same people. This is opening the door to totalitarianism. This is not some kind of religious nationalism or sectarianism. It's one of the sanest principles of our democratic governance, that our rights come from God. Yes, government exists to secure these rights, the Declaration says, not to produce them. It is exceptionally dangerous to go down this road because, as I say, we lose our groundedness in something transcendent and become, therefore, by that very move, victims of a potentially totalitarian state. 
that can take away the same rights that they gave us in the first place. So can I just say that in their enthusiasm, I suppose, you know, to go against so-called Christian nationalism, they're actually going against the foundations of our democracy. And it's a further evidence of this extreme hostility of the left now toward religion. No, no, precisely as an American, I want to hold that my rights come not from something as vacillating and unreliable as Congress or the Supreme Court. They come from God. Mm, So well said. He's such a great communicator, Bishop Robert Barron. So here we have this situation where you make these very grand statements and you think that you're doing something that's, that's so wise, and yet you either don't know about the founding of our country or you don't care enough about it to share the truth about who founded our country and on whom. I mean, it's, if you ever been to Washington, D.C., but in addition to going to the March for Life, I don't know how many of you have actually gone around to the various monuments and buildings. God is all over the place in the cement, okay? So just the fact that they won't acknowledge this is, is very troubling, and, and I don't know. I can't read her mind. I don't know if she doesn't know the history, as Bishop Robert Barron excuse me, pointed out to us in terms of who said what when regarding the founding of this nation, or if she just willfully ignored it or is trying to twist it. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't get in her head. But the way it was presented was, as Bishop Barron said, extremely troubling and extremely irresponsible. We were just talking in the last segment with Doug Keck, the president and COO of EW10, and how we vet things here. And how we don't just run with something when somebody says it's Catholic or Christian. Or if somebody sends me a book and says, I want to come on the air and talk about my book. That goes directly also to the theology department at EWTN. And they go through it to make sure it's in line with Catholic teaching. Now one would think, even just from a historic perspective, that the editors, the EPs, or executive producers at MSNBC would be talking to their people on a regular basis and say, hey, or any other news outlet for that matter, conservative or or liberal, Let's be accurate. How about that? Let's stick to the facts. And so this is a moment where I'm so glad someone as well-spoken and as calm as Bishop Barron speaks up and puts out a video because he has a huge following, which is great. But also glad to see that the president of Catholic Vote, Brian Burge, and Tony Perkins took MSNBC and this contributor to task. They demanded an apology from the reporter who smeared Christians. I'm reading from their statement during a TV appearance, publishing a column also saying that she is sorry for her clumsy words. Reporters have a responsibility to use words and convey meaning with precision. And I am sorry I fell short of this in my appearance. I think it's really good that she apologized. And this shows that when you respectfully, strongly call people out when they make blatant errors of judgment with their platforms, that sometimes they do respond, and good for her, okay? Both Birch and Perkins, according to their statement, had sent a letter the day before to the leadership of political demanding that the news outlet hold Prisbilla accountable for blasting Christian nationalists during an MSNBC interview, as you heard Bishop Barron explain. They said she owes people of faith an apology, as does her employer. Politico must confirm that such offensive comments have no place within its organization. In the Christian nationalist view, she went on, Americans' rights don't come from Congress, they don't come from the Supreme Court, they come from God. In her follow-up column, she did concede, go figure, to state the obvious, the above is not a good definition of Christian nationalism. Many people have views about our rights as Americans that would coincide with those of many of our nation's founders. You think? Birch and Perkins Perkins pressed the journalist on that point, in particular the day before, calling her out for failing to acknowledge that this American republic was founded on the belief that our rights come from God, not earthly kings or government. Do your homework. She was called out on it, and she apologized. But good for Bishop Barron and Catholic Vote and the Research Council, Family Research Council, for respectfully and strongly pointing this out and pushing back. And that's our Fact Check Friday. We'll be right back. This is America. The greatest nation on earth. 
where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown skin filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. Amen. Mother Cabrini, the actress playing her role, fantastic. Had the opportunity to meet her on Saturday night in an amazing premiere of this beautiful film. I do hope that you put it in your schedule to go see it. It opens up one week from today on March 8th. On the phone with me is Eustace Wolfington. I've had the opportunity to get to know him and his family a couple of weeks, and I was introduced to him by my friend John Hale from Corporate Travel and just so excited about this movie. And I saw it. They sent me a, a link to watch it at home, which I did, and I loved it. But there's nothing like seeing this on the big screen. And Eustace has been very busy this week, traveling, doing all kinds of interviews. Eustace, it's great to talk to you again. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Teresa. Thank you very much. It was so nice to meet you in person, and I really enjoyed the question and answer after the film. Tell us a little bit about what the response has been, because you have had screenings not only around the country but around the world, correct? Yeah, the response has been actually the very first thing people say when it's over is, I never expected this. I am blown away. Uh, they're so uh, astounded that the movie is so beautifully shot. Uh, the acting is so it's just so good. Uh, the music is, is incredible, and, and the dialogue and the, and the script uh, is really genius. So the reaction is one of uh, total. Uh, feeling of coming into the movie, they say, with feelings of despair, the way the world is, the way it's broken, and fear of the future. And they say they walk out on fire for life again. Uh, they want to go out and do things and, and, and make changes and, and, and make it a better world. The transformation that takes place in people is just amazing. Yeah, yeah, I saw that Saturday night. So many people were just, they, they were awestruck and, and they were speechless in some ways in terms of how it moved them. They wanted to get involved. So take us back to the beginning of how this all came about because it's actually shot, as we discussed in our, in our meeting, our Zoom call that we had, during COVID. And this really goes back to your love and dedication and your devotion to Mother Cabrini, correct? Uh, yeah, well, actually, my, my devotion to the ring started back in 1955. I was 23 years of age. Uh, when I went to a mass, I'd never heard of Mother Cabrini. And they said, we're going to do a nine-week novena on Mother Cabrini. So I said, well, I'll go to it. And I went to it, and I was just amazed about this woman. And I started to read about her, and I realized what an incredible entrepreneur she was. So I made her my role model or my patron saint because she made things happen, and I'm going to make things happen. Um, fast forward 60 years, a nun walked to my office and said, will you help me do a movie on Mother Cabrini? Mm. I said, sister, I don't want to do another movie. I did Bella. I don't ever want to do another movie. She bugged me for six years, took me up to an Italian film company. They were going to do the movie on Mother Cabrini. I looked at what they were going to do, and I said, sister, you can't do that. Uh, we have to do a movie. Uh, it's just like Gandhi. He was a Hindu. He couldn't get in the way. She's a nun. It can't get in the way. We have to do a movie. This incredible woman and her spunk and all the all the things she overcame and and and, and, and showed so much the power of what one person could do. Uh, so on that basis, uh, they agreed to let us do the movie where the where Mother Cabrini. There'd be no preaching in the movie, but Mother Cabrini would, her sermon would be the, her life would be the sermon. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so. just so well done and acted and, and, and just a beautifully shot film. We're talking with Eustace Wolfington, executive producer of Cabrini, which opens up a week from today in theaters across the country, and you can find out more information at cabrinifilm.com. So tell us about, about how you got the team together. I know you spoke of that at Saturday night on, on Saturday at the, at the premiere in Philly, but you had a pretty incredible team, including uh, John Lithgow and David Morris. And then how did you find the actress? Because she has been in some other uh, productions and, and films, but she's not that well-known. And, and how did you come uh, to meet Christiana? Uh, well, our casting director called us. I said, I found this woman. I would put all my money on her. 
And prior to that, Scorsese was going to do a movie on Mother Cabrini in 1973. Loretta Young had come to him and said, I want to play Mother Cabrini. And they never got the movie done, so I wrote him and I said, could I buy the script? He said, I don't have it, but I'll give you a tip. Get an Italian actress. Mm. So for that, that was to really alert us to, to get an Italian actress. And this movie is shot 35% in Italian. It's very authentic. And the cast is every member that speaks Italian in that cast is from Italy. And uh, the, the, the director, Alejandro, he, he's, he was the director that I did business with in Bella. Uh, and it's funny, I heard he was busy, so we were trying to, I was trying to, I was talking to uh, 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 Sophie Coppola, and I got the call. Uh, now, I, I'm in church, I'm in church on Sunday morning at 8.30. I get this overwhelming feeling to call Alejandro. I get home at 10 o'clock. I lift, uh, the phone rings. I get a call from somebody I haven't heard from in years. He said, we have to get Alejandro. And that was the sign I needed. And uh, I called him and got him the day before he was about to sign a contract with someone else. No way. Really? Yeah, that was a gift. We made Mother Cabrini executive producer on this film, and it's amazing the impact that had on the cast and the crew, and everybody felt that Mother Cabrini was running running this production, and she was. Uh, we had thousands of extras. Uh, if you walked on our set, it was like a Notre Dame football rally. The passion and excitement. They were all reading books on her life. They all read the script. So when this, when this movie was shot, the whole team was united through her. In a very dynamic way. Yeah, and I know that talking with with you and your and your sister Marty telling us about the Cabrini Wings, even my be available being available for the premiere on Saturday was just a. a I mean, it just struck me that the God's timing and everything. I was so glad I was able to go and and see it with the team on the big screen. And what I loved, I think, Eustace was the most was. Not only the people were so down to earth, but the people who were watching the film were truly moved. And many of the people asking questions during the Q and A afterward. Barely could get the words out of their mouth. They were they were asking, "Where? What do we do? Where do I go? How do I help? How can I get involved in in a Caprini, you know, mission?" So what you said in the beginning of the interview this morning, it's so true. It's it's playing itself out over and over again that this movie is inspiring people, not to just be moved by her story, but to do something. And well, you know what it does? It just it, it gives people so much hope, and 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 the and the quality of the film, the way it's shot. It truly lifts people up. You use the word speechless. So many people say that. We are speechless. Uh, they're so taken back, and they walk out thumping their hearts. And they say one thing. They say everybody in the world has to see this film. That's our goal, to have everybody in the world see this film. And it's not, it's not a have-to-see movie. It's a must-see movie. Mm-hmm. Just selfishly, for your, for your own sake, uh, this movie will lift you up. Yeah, yeah. And we all have burdens we have to carry every day, and we all have different crosses we have to carry. This film, whatever it is, will lift you up and give you hope. So tell us about the the opening a week from today. How many theaters? What are you hoping people will do? Uh, what are you anticipating in terms of the opening next week? Yeah, well, we're, we're, this is going to be a very, very wide release. We're opening up right now. We have 2,750 theaters. <clears throat> we're hopeful we'll have 3,000 3, by opening day. For an independent film, that is a major, major release. <clears throat> and when we made this film, we made it a major motion picture. This is a $50 million production. For an independent film, that is a lot, a lot of money. And we want to elevate, we wanted to elevate the film to such a, such a level that it would stand the test of time. And people would want to come see this movie generation after generation. And, and our hope is that, uh, it's going to be easy to get to because we'll be at every location. And our, our hope is that the whole world comes to see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're talking with Eustace Wolfington, the executive producer of Cabrini, CabriniFilm.com. I'm really hoping because it's being released on International Women's Day that a lot of young women 
and women of all ages to go see this because it's so inspiring. And what I love about it, it is, to me, and I'm actually uh, talking about this in a, in a speech I'm giving next week in, in Florida to women, this, I think, is a great example of the feminine genius. I, I love the clip of the film where she's talking to the mayor of New York, John Lithgow, and he says, you know, Mother, you would have made a great man. And she says, no, men cannot do when we, what women do. To me, that's not a slap against men. That is her saying women have certain abilities and characteristics that men do not have, and we are made differently but equal in the image and likeness of God. I think that's a really strong point that she makes, the character makes in the film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the film shows the power of what one person can do. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that no obstacle that's thrown in front of you should stop you. That uh, you can overcome anything. Uh, her favorite thing was, we can do all things in him who strengthens us. Mm-hmm. That was Mother Cabrini's uh, standard state, standard uh, quote. From Philippians, yeah, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. And I didn't realize, I, I was familiar with her story, but not that familiar. I didn't realize, and this is incredible, that she was the influence for Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta. And I also yeah. didn't realize the struggles that she had. I knew that it was certainly she didn't just come to America and everything happened overnight, but I didn't realize all the doors that were slammed in her face, all the, the issues that she had to overcome in order to, to start her empire of hope. She just, she just had. It was the first day here, they tried, they tried to send her home, and then that's the real world. That's, I mean, this story is. You know, we spent ten days in her convent in Gudagno, uh with the writer, uh, with all the historians, and it was the best thing we ever did because, uh, for example, that scene where she breaks into the Senate. Yeah. That was not in any of the books, uh, and we had read twenty-seven books in her life. I was, the, 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 the head historian cut out all the old newspaper clippings and showed us that story about how Mother Cabrini broke into the Senate. And uh, it's a beautiful scene. Then we walked to Footprints of America, as I said, about 27 books. So the writer, before he picked the pen up, he knew Mother Cabrini better than anybody in the world. Mm. Mother Cabrini. What was it like staying in her convent in Lombardy? What did that feel like? You know, it was, you actually felt, uh, her, her charisma of all her nuns, they all have her picked up. She was such an indomitable spirit that what she embedded into every one of her nuns was number one, humility. She was big on humility. Second, love, service, and simplicity. They were her four schools. And when you were in that comment, you, you just felt it. I mean, uh, you just felt that you were talking to Mother Cabrini. It was really spectacular. Yeah, it's so interesting in, in, in the conversations she had with the Pope. Or, and, and the Church was admired her, even when she went to Rome to have that discussion with the Pope and the Cardinals. But they kind of wanted her to stay in her own little corner of the world because they really liked what she was doing in Lombardy. She was having a big impact. Uh, exactly. But she knew that she had a, had a bigger call in her life. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. She didn't come here until she was 39 years of age. Wow. And uh, she was in, in, in Rome all that time, opening schools and orphanages. And you're right, they didn't want to lose her because she did such a wonderful job. Uh, but she had the vision. She wanted to take Christ everywhere. When she came to America, uh, she realized that they were falling away from their faith. And she was going to the mines in, in Scranton, the mines in Denver, uh, to, to, to encourage the miners you know, to come back to their faith, to come come back to church on Sunday, and she, 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 she never let a stone unturn on any soul. Uh, well, any- uh, the movie is, is so well done. I really appreciated it, and I appreciated the opportunity to meet you in person and to talk with the actors and actresses and, and hear what other people had to say. And I'm going to share some of those clips on, on Tuesday with our group, and we also have um, Alejandro Monteverde joining us next week as well. And it does open up, as Eustace Wolfington, the executive producer, does share with us next Friday, a week from today. For more information, cabrinifilm.com. It'll be well worth your time. And I trust me when I say this. When you walk out, you are going to want to do even more and be more involved and make a difference in the world. That's the whole point of the film. We'll be right back on a Friday. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. The question of gender identity is divisive, controversial, and often painful. 
How should parents respond to sons and daughters desiring to change their gender? Will the church remain free to teach that we are created male and female? What do the sciences say? We'll find out on March 2nd when Father Gabriel Richard High and Ave Maria Radio host our annual Familiaris Consortio Conference, Responding to Gender Dysphoria in Truth and Charity. Attorney John Bursch takes on gender ideology. Professor of Endocrinology Dr. Paul Cruz covers the sciences. Father Sean Kilcauley speaks as a pastor. And you will bring plenty of questions for our panel. Be there Saturday morning, March 2nd, from 8.15 until noon at Father Gable Richard High in Ann Arbor. The event is free, includes a light breakfast, so register at AveMariaRadio.net or FGRHS.org. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Join Charity Mobile, the pro-life, pro-family phone company for nearly 30 years. New customers get a free phone or $100 off plus free shipping and free activation. Use promo code AVE, A-V-E. There's no contract or termination fees. 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. Our pro-life reps are based in the USA. Enjoy great coverage and great service. Join Charity Mobile and buy the way you believe. Go to CharityMobile.com slash AVE. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Friday morning edition of Catholic Connection on EWTN. Coming up on Monday, I think you're going to enjoy the interview. We are going to be spending a little bit more time with an amazing young priest that I met on the Good News Cruise. I don't know if you heard the story of the EWTN connection with this priest and his father coming back to the church. It's a crazy, another Italian godson and Scott Wink. It's nuts, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. That's coming up Monday. Have a great weekend. Ciao, ciao. Talk to you then. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connections.